If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Mark chapter 4. That's where we're going to be today, Mark chapter 4. We uh, started a new series last week entitled, Follow Me. And this series is all about um, just sort of looking at what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, and the reason that we're, we're talking about this is because there's a lot of people who will say, I'm a Christian, but far fewer people who actually know the implications and the costs of actually following Jesus, being a follower of Christ. Um, and so we're going to look at what it really means to follow Jesus. And the way we're going to go about doing that is by looking at the lives of the 12 young men who spent three and a half years following every step Jesus took and then applying that to our lives. Last week we looked at um, John chapter 4, where Jesus led his disciples on a trip through Samaria. And uh, on that trip, we learned from their experiences that following Jesus means that we're, there are days that he's going to lead me to places that I've avoided. And there's going to be times when he walks me towards people and, and situations and things that I don't understand. And it's in those moments that he's going to expand the, 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 the limits that I have put on his love that's expressed through me. And if you missed last week's message, I encourage you uh, to go online and, and listen to that. But today we're going to look at uh, a story where Jesus leads his disciples on another trip. And this time, it's a trip across a lake. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. So Jesus takes his disciples on another little trip. And the purpose of this trip is to teach them how to trust in him. So while, the, while following Jesus, the disciples find themselves in the, in the middle of a fierce storm. You know, it's, it's been my experience as a pastor that Christians do a really bad job at interpreting their circumstances. You know what I mean? Um, quite often, if something bad or unpleasant happens, I hear a lot of people saying, um, what did I do wrong? Right? Is, is God punishing me for something? And can I just say that God doesn't treat his children that way? Can we just get that settled? Seriously, I mean, if, if you did something wrong... You're going to know it, right? If your kid does something wrong, do they know what it is? Of course they do. The Holy Spirit does a great job of convicting us of sin, all right? So 
We shouldn't be acting that way towards God when something bad happens, right? Um, And this story is a good example that when bad things happen, it doesn't automatically mean you did something wrong. Who told the disciples to get in the boat? Jesus. Who told them to go to the other side? Jesus. Do you know why these guys find themselves in the storm? It's because they're following Jesus. This is literally the sole reason that they're in this storm. Because Jesus was leading their lives. And this isn't just your garden variety storm. This is a fierce storm. I mean, these are, some of these guys are seasoned fishermen. And they were fearing for their lives. They thought they were going to die. So what we can learn from this is that following Jesus means your faith will be tested. And we don't really like to talk about that, do we? But it's part of what it really means to follow Jesus. See, faith isn't really faith unless it's been put to the test. Notice what uh, Peter says in his first letter. He says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. These guys were following Jesus, and Jesus led them right in the middle of a storm to test their faith. And so I want to ask you guys, are you willing to have your faith tested? How many would say, okay, yeah, it might not be my favorite thing, but I'm willing to have my faith tested? Okay, not here as many hands as, we, as I expected. Maybe we need to do a reverse altar call today. <laughs> um, um, but it's part of what it really means to, fo- to follow Jesus. It, your faith will be tested. And, you know, I think the prosperity gospel that, you know, was flourishing in the 80s and 90s and actually is still around today has really done an injustice to the body of Christ, right? Because it's kind of produced this underlying expectations that God's promises have to be fulfilled in this life. But Scripture doesn't teach that. Scripture doesn't teach that at all. Jesus never promised that life would be smooth sailing. In fact, he warned us quite the opposite. At the end of his ministry, just before he's arrested, he sits down with his disciples and he says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. Because I have overcome the world. Now, we have the benefit of knowing that in advance, don't we? When we enter into the storms of life. But these poor guys who are just kind of blindly following Jesus, they haven't been warned of that yet, right? In fact, an interesting part of the story is that Jesus is asleep on the boat. Notice that he wasn't attentive to his disciples when the storm was brewing, right? Because that was part of the test. He didn't come up and down the, the, the deck of the boat, and he said, okay, guys, there's a storm on the way, okay? And it's going to be a bad one, okay? It is going to be so bad that you're going to think you're going to die, okay? But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because I will get you through it, right? He didn't do that. He didn't say that at all. He's, <clears throat> I mean, what is he doing? He's asleep. (laughs) I mean, one of the things we can learn from the disciples' experience is that you might be following Jesus 
if it seems like he's sleeping in the midst of your storm. And we don't talk about that in communities of faith, do we? Because most people like, it's like, no, God is there. Yeah, I know God is there, right? I know God is there, but what happens in life when, when the storm is, is coming and the storm is, is raging and you know God is there, but he's not doing anything? I mean, I appreciate that he's always there and that he'll never leave me or forsake me, but there are times I wish he would be a little bit more attentive when the storm is raging in my life. Have you ever felt that way? Now, of course, Scripture tells us that the risen Christ and God himself never sleep and never slumber. But in this story, the incarnate Jesus is asleep in the middle of a violent storm. Think about that for a second. Because there's something to be said about that. There's a point to that. If Jesus isn't worried about the storm so much that he can sleep, Maybe we shouldn't be worried either. If Jesus isn't panicked, maybe we shouldn't panic either. And I actually, I think that's kind of the whole point to Jesus sleeping, to illustrate that when the storms of life come, God doesn't panic and he doesn't worry. I mean, you do realize, right, that when this, your storm comes, God isn't like, oh, no, Jesus, what are we going to do? Right? He's never like that. And we should take our cue from Jesus. If Jesus isn't worried, why on earth should we be worried? I mean, you know what the disciples should have done? They should have found another cushion and snuggled up right next to him and gone to sleep. Right? I mean, they'd be like, if you're sleeping, we're sleeping. Right? If, 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 you know, if you're not afraid, we're going to at least act like we're not afraid, even though we're terrified inside. You got us into this. We're going to do what you're doing. Right? That's what they should have done. I mean, seriously, if you feel like Jesus is taking a nap in the middle of your storm, then maybe you just need to rest in him. He's the creator of heaven and earth, the Alpha and Omega. He knows the beginning from the end. And he, if he isn't worried, then why on earth should we be worried? Another thing we learn from the experience of the 12 disciples here in this story is you might be following Jesus if you're starting to wonder if he cares. Listen to how they wake him up. Teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? That we're about to drown? Have you ever felt like that? Like that? Wonder if God cares? And maybe if you haven't felt that way, you might have heard someone else say, you know, kind of question that, that God doesn't care. And you're like, whoa, don't say that. He might hear, right? You know, it's, of course God cares. Don't ever question if God cares. But I actually think we can say that. I mean, if you have some complaints and concerns and you're starting to wonder if God cares, I encourage you to use that as a platform to connect to him. Asking God if he cares is an incredible connection point with him. 
Seriously, complaining to God is a great form of prayer. Ask King David. I mean, he wrote his down in the book of Psalms. Here's one example here, Psalm 13. Lord, how long will you forget me forever? God, do you care? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? God, do you care? He's famous for complaining to God about everything. And what did God call him? A man after his own heart. Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? Now, if I were Jesus and and they woke me up asking that question, I would have woke up and said, excuse me? Did you seriously just question if I care? I created heavens and earth. I put breath in your lungs. I laid down my glory to come down here and give my life for you. And you question if I care? I'll suck the breath right out of your lungs. (laughs) Good thing I'm not Jesus. Um, But instead of Jesus waking and rebuking them, verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. If you're wondering if God cares, there's a good chance that you're following Jesus and he is actively at work trying to build faith in him. But as soon as you start thinking that way, I encourage you to immediately go to him with it. Don't keep it inside, right? You need to go to him when you start to wonder if he cares and ask him. You, gotta, you, gotta, I mean, you have to start talking to him about it. Just get alone with God and ask him if he cares. He doesn't seem to be bothered by it at all. But one of the tendencies that we have is that when we start wondering if God cares, we don't always run to him. We start looking for care in all the wrong places. Right? Like, you'll get around other people, but you won't let anyone know that you need to be cared for right now. You'll just see if anyone else knows intuitively. Right? And you'll be... hmm. Nope. Nobody cares. Weird. Let's see if anybody texts me. Nope. Nobody cares. Right? And that's kind of like what we do. It's amazing when you start to follow Jesus that you can use this God do you care as an incredible connection point between you and God. But if you're not careful and you don't use it as a connection point between you and God, you oftentimes start looking for care from other people that is unreasonable. And when they don't seem to care, then in a very short time you find yourself isolated. Beware of the lie. That God and nobody cares. Which eventually leaves you isolated. There's a little parenthetical statement in the second verse of our text today. Did you notice it? Mark 4.36. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. Although other boats followed. See, when you begin to think that no one else cares, you also think that nobody can understand what you're going through. 
right? I'm the only boat like me. No one understands the seas that I've sailed. No one sees me. No one cares. Look at my boat. Just keep filling up boat. I'm going to be dead soon anyway. When you begin to think that no one else cares, you also think that no one else can understand what you're going through when in fact, you're not the only one going through the storm. There are other people in the same sea. And we're never really alone. And we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been to the place where we think nobody understands, nobody cares. But we're never really alone. There are other boats in the same storm. See, when you begin to wonder if God cares, it can be a catalyst to connect you with God, but it can also be an opportunity to look for other boats filling up with water too. And even though you're affected by the storm and they're affected by the storm, you can help each other out. Here's the challenge though. Can you live beyond your boat in the midst of a storm? We get so introspective and we just look at our, our problem, our circumstances, that we don't look at anyone else around us. I mean, everybody can live beyond their boat when the seas are calm, right? When the water's calm, everybody wants to get together and party, right? But when the storm blows in and you're taking on water, the last thing you want to do is, hey, how you guys doing over there, right? But that's actually the very thing you need to do. Think about it. When Jesus said, peace be still, it wasn't just their boat that was saved. All the other boats were saved too. Sometimes we just need to open our eyes and see that there are other boats in the sea. You've been through some tough stuff. I've been through some tough stuff. Maybe we can help each other, learn from each other, and serve one another. There's so many boats in the sea filling up with water right now. And I know you're busy like bailing water trying to save your own boat, but what if in the middle of your storm you started to serve someone else? The disciples proved that it's easy to become self-consumed in the midst of a storm, but there's something about a storm that can bring us together if we're willing to care about others in the midst of it. Are you soaked? So am I. Let's go do lunch. Are, are you about to lose your mind? Me too. Let's go get ice cream. Right? Have, have you questioned God lately? Me too. For the last six months, let's go get pizza. Now we've talked a lot about the storm, but I want to end with but it's probably the most important observation here. And that is you might be following Jesus if he is revealing more of himself to you. Notice what the disciples said to each other after Jesus calmed the storm. They said, who is this man? Even the wind and waves obey him kind of funny that they would say, who is this man? They got into the boat with him, right? 
See, when, when they got into the boat to cross that lake, they didn't see Jesus as the Son of God. Notice how they addressed him when they woke him up. They called him what? Teacher. They looked at him as a teacher. They didn't look at him as the Son of God yet. They weren't calling him Lord yet. They looked at him as a teacher. And in this storm, God reve- he revealed more of himself to them. They were following him, but they were just following a teacher up to this point. And now this teacher has exercised his authority over the wind and the waves. And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? See, for them, this was just the beginning of following Jesus. And the more you follow Jesus, the more he reveals himself to you. Which is actually a great part of going through tests of faith. Because it's on the other side of the storm that you see Jesus in a different light. That you see more of him than you ever saw before. When I look back on my life and all the storms that I've endured. And when I've gone through these, these tests of faith, I come out on the other end of them with a new revelation of who Jesus really is. I remember my first really, really big storm. God had, um, we, were, we were actively serving in a church in Plano, and God had called us to go to Bible school. We had three young kids that were all in elementary school, and we both had jobs, but we trusted God, quit our jobs, sold our house, well, put our house on the market, and moved to Tulsa to go to Bible, Bible school. I started looking for jobs, and God provided little, little jobs here and there. I had to work like three jobs at one point. But, so we, we take off and leave. We put our house on the market, and the day that we're supposed to leave, uh, the people who said we're – actually, we put our house up for lease. That's what it was. We put our house up for lease. We had somebody who was going to move in. The day we were getting ready to leave, they backed out of the lease. And we didn't have time to find anybody else to lease our house. So we put it on the market, and that was August. And we had to still make house payments and rent payments. And come December, there was not a single bite on the house, not a single one. And we were, we were taking on water, man. We were about to sink. I had, I had, uh, we weren't able to make my truck payment we were getting letters that they were going to repossess. We were getting letters from the. Uh, we started. We got to the point where we couldn't make our house payment back home. We we're getting foreclosure letters, and we were freaking out. Right, we we're about to go under. And I remember being at the school, and it was chapel session. And I remember clearly, God saying, "Stop asking me, and just thank me." that I'm going to provide for you. And so I did, and that afternoon we had three offers on the house, and it was sold within the, by the end of the week. It was amazing, right? But it was a storm that I didn't think we were going to get through. And, and at the end of that storm, I saw God can be trusted, right? We, we laid it all out and moved, across, you know, moved to the next state and just trusted God, and he proved that he can be trusted. And that was kind of solidified. I, I never worried if I could trust him again. 
But then I remember the next big storm. We had just started the church. Um, it was actually about six or seven months into the church. And things weren't going well. It looked like we were going to have to shut the doors. And there's nothing more embarrassing than having all these people follow you to start a church. And you got to tell them, sorry, we have to sh- shut her down, right? And that was terrifying for me. And that was a really bad storm. It didn't look like things were going were gonna to turn out. And it was a horrible storm. But... I remember God speaking clearly to me again. He said, I am not surprised by what's happening right now. And that just like blew up my revelation of him. I never thought, and I don't think I ever thought that God is worried or like, oh no, what are we going to do? But it finally, it just kind of dawned on me. If he isn't surprised by what's happening, then I shouldn't be either. And if I'm following him to this point, I'm just going to keep following him and trusting him. And, and again, God came through in a miraculous way. Everything, of course, you know, here we are another seven years later and things are going great. Um, another thing, it was, it was only through the storm of losing a loved one. And I know some of you have lost loved ones. But up until that point... I didn't have a a really clear revelation of the hope of eternity, right? Like scripture says that when someone that is close to us dies, that we can grieve with hope. Until you actually go through that storm, you don't really know what that means. It wasn't until I went through that storm and lost someone really close to me that I was able to see the hope of eternal life that comes through Jesus and actually cling to it and actually do what Scripture said, to grieve with hope. So following Jesus, part of following Jesus means we have to go through storms. And and part of following Jesus means those storms are going to test our faith. Do you want Jesus to reveal more and more of himself to you? Then you have to follow him into the storms. You have to be willing to do, just as the disciples did, to follow him regardless of where he goes, even if it means heading into a storm you didn't want to be in. But he'll get you through. So do you trust Jesus to follow him into the storms? Storms are going to come. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. But I would rather go through them with him than on my own. Amen? Let's pray.